0: This morning we are concluding our Jude series, and um, we've been at this for three weeks now. This is our fourth week and the final section of verses, and um, this is the section that I really wanted when we were all divvying everything out because I really, really enjoyed uh, the doxology that happens at the end, and it was really a pleasure to study that and to see uh, so many important details in these few select words that Jude uses And so, uh, in a lot of ways, as Jude wraps up this book, he is continuing this theme of false teachers, even though he really turns now and addresses the church more than the false teachers, Um, but still we see this theme kind of carried out. And so, this morning, as we think about remaining in God's love, uh, our big idea is that this is how God is glorified. God will bring himself glory through the things that we're going to think about this morning, and that by his mercy... We remain in his love, and he keeps us remaining in his love. So we have a part to play. We uh, actively work to remain in God's love, but at the same time, he is keeping us remaining in his love. And this is in contrast to what we've been seeing with the false teachers. And so that's kind of what we're going to look at this morning. So this is verses uh, 20 through 25 of Jude. He says, but you, beloved building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt, save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority, before all time, and now, and forever. Amen. So we've seen throughout this whole um, book uh, these threads of what's happening with the false teachers. So I just want to remind us of those. So starting in verse 4. We read, for certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation. So Jude is going to condemn them, and he's going to say a lot of things about them. And he's basically saying this has been a long time coming. They've been hiding for a while, but their time has come. In verses 6 through 7, we see that they have rejected authority, and they're given over to sin and its damnation. In verses 8 through 13, we see that they're relying on themselves, and they should be rebuked by God, found out, and destroyed. And um, that's really talked about in verse 13, which talks about them as wild waves, casting up their foam of their own shame, wandering stars, for which the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. And as we saw last week, um, God will execute judgment on these people, as prophesied, and I think the saddest part, verses 17 through 19, they're without the Spirit. They don't have the hope. They don't have the presence of God in their lives. And in contrast to that, throughout the book, there's been a string of um, words about the beloved, those who are in Christ, those who are believers. Uh, Four times we are called beloved. That's verses 1, 3, 17, and 20. And also we read in verse 2 that mercy and peace are given to us. We see that we're compared to the Israelites who have been rescued from Egypt in verse 5. Also in verses 14 through 19, we have a hope that God has promised this judgment. Uh, We can hope that one day the wicked will be put to judgment, that the, the wicked will be stopped. And that is something that we can be excited about. And then this doxology that concludes it is just packed with God's love. And so we do see this stark contrast between those who are without the hope and the truth and God and those who have those things. And so, first, we're going to see in these first two verses of the section that we are to remain in God's love. This is our um, role, these are our imperatives that we are supposed to be keeping ourselves in God's love. So it says, But you, beloved, keeping yourselves, or sorry, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. It's also important to see here that the, only, um, the, strongest compare, or the strongest imperative is keep yourselves in the love of God, and the other ones kind of modify that. And that's important because there's a difference between just listing a whole bunch of things to do and saying, here's an important thing to do, and here are the steps to get there. So for instance, um, I have a friend's wedding that I'm going to this weekend, and so my friend James has said to me, please come to my wedding. But not only that, he said, um, rent a suit and drive here and sing a song when you get here. And so he could have just listed those things separately, and I'd think, well, that's kind of odd, you know, that I have to get a suit and drive somewhere and sing a song. But it makes sense because those are how I follow his command to attend his wedding. And so, in the same way, we've been told, keep in the love of God, and here are three things that you do to accomplish that. So, let's take a look at those three things. The first one is by building others up. So, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. And the the word picture here is kind of like an edifice of a building, and so people would carve out um, pieces to be placed into this building, and so each one is kind of... um, you know, carved and and changed to made to look like it's supposed to. So in the same way we are carved and changed to look like Christ so that we can fit in to this big piece and that we can support one another and encourage one another to also be built into the image of Christ. And so we're supposed to be encouraging one another, building one another up into the image of Christ. And this is in contrast with the false teachers who do not build other people up who are, as we've read, shepherds feeding only themselves, who are waterless clouds. They make all these promises. They don't follow through. And so we see that we are not supposed to be like them, but we are supposed to be looking to the other's needs and building one another up. The second command is praying in the Spirit. So not only do we remain in God's love by building each other up, we remain in God's love by praying in the Spirit. This means we recognize that the ability to come before God And to talk to him is not in our own strength. It is because of Christ's sacrifice, it is because the spirit is communicating with us that we are able to come before God. And so uh, we humbly acknowledge the fact that we can pray and that we can communicate with God. And we rely on him to accomplish that. We pray and we know and we hope in the fact that the spirit will continue that prayer for us. That's not what the false teachers think right? Because they are relying on their own ideas, their own revelations, their own visions. They're not submitting to the authority of God. They're really saying, we are capable of doing this on our own. We don't even need Christ to intercede for us. That's how great we are. So we remain in God's love by building others up, by praying in the Spirit, and thirdly, by waiting for the day of Christ, by hoping and looking forward to the day of Christ. We hope in Christ's return. Because one day, the things that are now wrong will be made right, and the wicked will be held accountable, and those who have been innocently wronged will see justice. But ultimately, we hope in the fact that we can spend eternity with Christ, and we long for his presence and that personal connection. And sadly, the false teachers do not have this hope, and they can only look forward to the day of judgment. And the temporary pleasures that they experience now and the temporary power and authority that they think that they have will very quickly fade away. And so this is how we remain in God's love. This is our part of it, is that we build one another up, we pray in the spirit, and we hope for the day of Christ. And now Jude turns in the next two verses and instructs us in how then so this is how we should address one another how should we then as the beloved address the outside world and so that's what comes next is that we invite others into God's love so we remain in God's love we invite others into God's love he says and have mercy on those who doubt save others by snatching them out of the fire to others show mercy with fear hating even the garment stained by the flesh And so really, um, what we see here, Jude is all about these groups of threes. I don't know if you've noticed that in the book, but there's lots of groups of threes. So here's another group of three. There's three different kinds of people and how we should address each of them. And really what it is, is there are four groups that are created when false teachers come into a body. Um, Actually, kind of five groups. So there are the, the true and the faithful ones, those who remain faithful to the truth. There are those who are on the fence those who doubt, those who are really trying to discern what is the truth, what is not the truth, who is in the right here, who's in the wrong, who is actually relying on God, who's relying on themselves. These are people really struggling to figure out these things, but they want to figure them out. There's another group of people that are um, what Proverbs might call uh, the the fool, the simple son, who is just um, not really sure what's going on, but they're going to follow somebody and they've picked the wrong person. And so they're just kind of blindly following without much discerning these false teachers. But then there's a third group of people who are um, choosing to follow the false teachers who've decided that their falsehood is somehow better than the truth. That their, their ideas are so enticing that they would rather follow them then follow the beloved or God or the truth. And then there's the false teachers themselves. So there's really kind of five groups here. And so these three in the middle are who we are told to to deal with. So first of all, those who doubt, we're told to have mercy. These people are really struggling to figure out what the truth is. They are working hard at it. And so we need to be patient with them. We need to um, be merciful to them and not just uh, write them off right away or condemn them immediately but be patient and try to guide them into discernment and into the truth and really kind of shepherd them through that. And that's different than right shepherds feeding themselves than these false teachers who are really preying on these people Um, because they're they're really the ones who could swing either way. And so the false teachers are going to be really, really after these people. The second group are those who need to be snatched, those who are just really kind of following blindly Um, the the one who can't really discern. I I always am reminded of this quote by uh, Spurgeon when I think about this idea of saving people or snatching people out of the fire. He says, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. If they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled with the teeth of our exertions, and let not one go unwarned or unprayed for. It's, it is really easy when people blindly follow false teaching to just ignore them, say, well, you know, they're beyond hope, you know, let them go with the other people. But, but these are the people who we really need to, to snatch out of the fire and to implore to see the truth. So one group of people are discerning, and they are really trying to figure it out, but this group, they don't know how to discern. They need to be instructed and taught. So again, we should show them mercy and be patient with them and really work to show them how to think and how to believe and how to trust. And so this group, we need to be good shepherds too as well. We can't just write them off either. And then the third group of people are, are really those who are practicing these things, they're, they're following and they're, they're dangerous people to interact with because, um, and this could even be the false teachers themselves, they're they really slippery people. And it, it isn't easy to approach and talk to them without being caught up in all of the falsehood and maliciousness as well. And so that's why Jude says you need to be really fearfully approaching these people and careful as you talk to them and as you um, instruct them. And um, these are not people beyond hope, right? Otherwise, we wouldn't be told to be doing these things. And so we carefully approach them, um, guarding ourselves, because we don't want to be caught up in all of the lies. And so um, this idea of the garment next to the flesh, which is talked about, is um, the idea of their undergarments, which would be worn next to the skin. And so that would get dirty first before the rest of your clothes, right? And so it's really an idea of distance, you know. So we want to talk to these people, but we don't want to get so close to them that we become stained and caught up as well. So this is how we remain in God's love. We invite others to join in God's love. But then God promises us in these last two verses to keep us in his love. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. I also really like the um, CSB translation, so I'd like to read that for us too. It kind of, um, especially these last few words, has a few different ones that I think are helpful. Now to him who's able to protect you from stumbling and to uh, make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. So not only are we working to keep ourselves in God's love but God is working to keep us working to keep in his love. It's this beautiful tension that we are faithful to him and that he is faithful to us to keep us faithful to him. And it's really this beautiful picture that he is holding on to us tight and we are holding on to him also in his hand. And so um, we must continue uh, to keep in his love as he continues to keep us in his love. And this doxology is really a beautiful blessing to the beloved. These are the last few words that Jude is going to leave with them. And not only is it a blessing to us as the beloved, it is, it's really kind of the, the final nail in the coffin for the false teachers because they don't get to experience these beautiful things. And so it's really drawing out this contrast between what they think is the truth and what actually is the truth. And we would pray that such a truth would be convicting to them. So he, he says lots and lots of things about what God can do. Um, so let's take a look at these. He says, first of all, that he is able to keep us from falling. Um, this is very similar to Proverbs 3, where we are told to trust in the Lord with all our heart, lean not onto your own understandings, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. He will keep you on the path. And it's interesting that Proverbs draws out all of these ideas that were really present in Jude. Um, Lean not onto your own understanding. That's exactly what the false teachers were doing. They were saying, we've got all these great ideas, these new concepts. And they weren't acknowledging his authority. In all your ways, acknowledge him. They were saying, we are the authority. And so we see, even in Proverbs, when those two things happen, people are not on the path. They are not being kept on the, the path of God. He also promises to keep us to the end. So keep you from falling, keep you to the end. And again, this is our hope that we've been reminded of, that Christ will return with his kingdom and he will judge and we will be reunited with him and he will keep us in that promise to the very end. And again, the false teachers cannot hope like that. They don't have a hope like that. Not only will it keep us blameless to the end, but it will be with great joy. And this is a really good reminder for these people. Because it's not easy to be in the situation that they're in. It's not uh, an immediately joyful experience to be surrounded by false teachers. And so this is a good reminder that, that they're being kept for a joy. Especially when the false teachers in Jude were experiencing all of these sins and saying, look how fun life is. And, and these people are looking on at the falsehood, probably wanting to have some fun, you know? But this fun is temporary, and it'll pass quickly. But our joy is forever. And so this is a good reminder that he will keep us to a great joy. So in response to these three things that he does for us, we now ascribe to him uh, four things, glory, honor, power, and dominion. And each of these words are really, really beautiful, and show how when we are believing in the truth, when we're not following these false teachers, how these things really happen. Um, as we follow God and proclaim his glory, his glory is expanded. The false teachers were stealing away what could have been God's glory because they were saying, look at us, look at us, look at us, and not look at him and not look how amazing God is. Also, we honor God by being obedient to him and and showing that he has authority, that we don't have the authority. He also has power. He has the power to keep us to the end. And um, the false teachers are saying that they had the power, and it's not a real power. And then it's interesting that we have another word that sounds very similar to power, dominion or authority. Um, So it can seem kind of redundant, but what this word really does is remind us, not only does God have the power, but it is within his jurisdiction to keep us to the end. So not only does he have the power, he has the right, he has the authority to do that. And I don't want to get in trouble, but I'm sure we can think of lots of examples where um, we've seen people with power exercise it in ways that are beyond their authority. And it's a really gross picture here. And that's exactly what the false teachers were doing. They had this little bit of power, and they were exercising it beyond their authority. But God has both power and authority, and that makes the difference. And so this is, again, a, a great, great contrast to these false teachers. But now we also see when God has this authority. It just keeps going on and on. Before all time, and now, and forevermore. And as Eric mentioned last week, these people don't think about time like this. They see that this temporary pleasure will go on forever, and they can just keep on sinning and ignore Christ's sacrifice, and that'll be fine, and there will never come a reckoning. But that's not true. We, we see throughout this book these ideas before all time and now and forevermore. We see that God has saved his people from Egypt, He is saving his people now. He will keep us and keep saving us to the end. We see that he has judged sin in the past. In Sodom and Gomorrah and um, even Michael rebuking Satan, God is now judging sin, but there will come a time where he will really finally completely judge sin. And so these words of time are really helpful. We also reminded that he has kept us in his love He will keep us in his love, or he is keeping us in his love, and he will keep us in his love. And it is because he is the only one with the authority and the power to do so. And this brings him honor and glory. And so really, it comes back to the idea that this is how God is glorified, is that in his mercy, we remain in his love, and he keeps us remaining in his love. So I'm going to go ahead and pray, and um, then Lauren and I are going to sing a song that kind of just recaps all that Jude has taught us and reminds us of God's faithfulness to his people and his continued faithfulness today and forevermore. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words from your servant Jude. Thank you for his um, boldness to address these false teachers And we know that he was very eager to write about um, your gospel, and in so many ways he did. Um, And he reminded us of how important it is to remain to the truth and to remain faithful to your gospel and how powerful you are to keep us doing that. Allow us to continue remaining in your love as we know that you will keep us remaining in your love. Allow these words to encourage us this morning, to build us up, and allow us to continue to love your word and to treasure it and let it be the guiding force and not our own foolish ways. We ask all of this in Christ's name, amen.